It's Manson Mitchell on the weekend with Gary Manson's Suzanne Mitchell. A double shot of good conversation with great guests to power up your day. Manson Mitchell, you're on the air. Thank you, Eric Kramer. Happy Saturday to you, wherever you may be. I'm Gary Mance. I'm Suzanne Mitchell. Together, we are Manson Mitchell in your ears for the hour of this weekend. Feeling the spirit and feeling the spirits with our special guest today. Always love it when Mark Anthony returns. We're going to get into such stuff, into the world of spirit and plenty to be said there. But let's say hello first to someone who's very much in the flesh with us, and that's tall guy Nathan Miller, or as we call him, Nathan Detroit. Good morning, Gary and Suzanne. And as in the flesh as I can be, another day older, another day sorer, unfortunately. Yeah. And why is that? I was looking under my car, noticed there was a little twig hanging out from the chassis. So I was like, oh, I'll just go ahead and pull that out. Well, it's my awkward flex or movement to be able to reach it. I felt like a little pull in my nus- muscle on my like neck and shoulder area. I was like, oh, that didn't feel good. And been dealing with some soreness and tightness for the past couple of days. Well, now keep in mind, Nathan, I mean, it is possible to insure your pool shooting arm with Lloyd's of London. It would be pricey, but you might want to look into insuring that valuable commodity. Uh, funny enough, when I was playing pool last night, it seemed to help it out a little bit. Maybe help, you know, get that proper stretches and movement to good therapeutic <laughs> <laughs> Pool playing. I love that. I well, love that. Glad you're okay. Yeah, glad to be, be careful working. about that pool arm. That's right. He needs that. If he, He's if at he, a high caliber. If you have to get a, a twig under the car next time, use the bridge. Or hire someone to do it. Create <laughs> yes. a job for somebody. There use the go. bridge to get the twig. There's no way I'm playing with the bridge when I'm playing pool. <laughs> I know you're not. No, that would be what, the, like being a sissy. Yes, exactly. The sissy stick, <laughs> no. the cheater stick. <laughs> But I say the name Mark Anthony, and I'm talking about someone who is, has claimed his share of fame. There, He's become well-known internationally, and so it's a delight that uh, he who has been a friend of ours for quite some time joins us once again. And this is an auspicious visit. Um, we met Mark Anthony on the radio back in 2009, uh, just a couple years after we got started. And this is his 20th visit today. He's in the twenty visit club. He is in the and there and that is there are like five people in the twenty visit club. So he is in some prairie rarefied air today. Mark Anthony, the psychic lawyer and psychic explorer, is the author of the spiritual bestsellers "Never Letting Go," "Evidence of Eternity," and "The Afterlife Frequency." He's a world-renowned fourth-generation psychic medium who communicates with spirits. He's also an Oxford-educated trial lawyer who has tried hundreds of cases. He is licensed to practice law in Florida, the District of Columbia, and before the Supreme Court. As the psychic explorer, Mark travels the world examining supernatural phenomena at spiritual and mystical destinations. He's an expert in spirit communication, survival of consciousness, near-death experiences, ancient mysteries, and the paranormal. He has an extensive background in quantum physics, history, archaeology, philosophy, 
and theology. And we are very happy to call him a friend of ours who we actually have met and had dinner with. And so welcome once again to Manson Mitchell, Mark Anthony for visit number 20. Oh, thank you. It's great being back. I I can't believe this has been time number 20. But what I really love about working with uh, you guys, uh, Gary and Suzanne, is is you know somebody's your friend when you when you see them and it's been a while but it feels like it was just yesterday you take up right where we left yep. off yep. and and yep. I, and I love that about you guys and and it's such an honor to be back on the show thank you for having me we feel likewise senor that's just great always always a pleasure and we always send our love to rocky trainer who's just you're just soulfully i think really uh, it, when you look at the great karma you two have generated you're more or less joined at the hip yeah she she's awesome rocky for the, for the listeners who don't know rocky is my manager and she uh books my media appearances um my tour dates uh we've got in fact um I've got a light circle, uh, which is an online event coming up a week from today, and I'll be in Houston in two weeks. So if people want to find out about those, please visit my website, afterlifefrequency.com, which is just like my new book, Afterlife Frequency. And I'm inviting all the listeners to sign up for my newsletter. You can find out about uh, getting a reading. And the light circles are great because they're limited to six people. So everybody's guaranteed a reading. Anyway, you can find out about all of that at afterlifefrequency.com. And and Gary and Suzanne, we're coming up on Valentine's Day. So this is technically your Valentine's Day show. So I think, you know, we're, we're spreading and generating the vibration of love and which which really uh, the world really needs right now. We have uh, quite a few things that we want to talk to you about today. We made some notes for today's interview. And Gary, I wonder if you want to go first. Um, I'll let you have the first question. Okay, that sounds like a very good thing to do. Thank you for the opportunity. I mentioned to you before we got on air, Mark, that I'm very curious about the results of your personal research into antiquity. I wonder, just on general principle, I wonder how much of the ancient beliefs surrounding this life and its meaning, death, the cessation of life, or is it, and whether it's imaginal or literal or in some way perceptible, an afterlife to which we go either to progress, reunite with our loved ones, all that good stuff, or is it still a matter of fearing judgment? And you've looked into it multiculturally, and I'm just wondering, the anthropologist in you there, what have you found that has persisted about death and a perceived afterlife or a presumed afterlife down through the millennia? That Wow, that is a question that we could do 20 episodes just on that. Um, So, and I love your question, Gary. Throughout human history, and let's take every great belief system, let's go back 5,000 years. And, you know, for for all intents and purposes, that's when the beginning of recorded history um, started, although there's evidence that human uh, civilization exists even even before that in, in certain areas, certainly in Egypt and India and possibly in Peru. But there is a common theme throughout all belief systems that the who and what we are, the soul, the spirit, uh, consciousness, whatever you want to call it, 
And soul and spirit are terms used in matters of faith. Consciousness is used in terms of psychology and science, but we're talking the same thing. It's who and what we are. And that is an energy uh, that pre-exists the human body, comes into the, the body, is hosted in the brain, and then when we physically die, it moves on. And you see this common theme, you see it in the, the world's oldest religion, Hinduism. Uh, the, and when I say the world's oldest religion, the world's oldest continually, continuously practiced religion, the ancient Egyptians, certainly, and uh, we just passed the 200th anniversary, excuse me, the 100th anniversary of the discovery of King Tutankhamun's tomb in Egypt. And we're coming up on the 100th anniversary of the tomb actually being opened and and uh, the, the items began to be removed and cataloged. But the Egyptians had a very elaborate belief system that not only did we leave uh, our body, that you have a soul, but it was judged. And then you see that being carried over into belief systems like Zoroastrianism. And a lot of people know Zoroastrianism. Well, we've heard a lot about the Zoroastrian people in recent years, they're now known as the Yazidi people, and they live throughout the Middle East from Iran through through Iraq, Syria, parts of Turkey. And unfortunately, they were butchered by the hundreds of thousands by that horrible organization, ISIS. But uh, Zoroastrianism had a very in-depth belief system about... Um, the struggle between light and dark, and that when we do leave our bodies, we are are judged and evaluated. Certainly, this is a concept which carried through to Judaism and definitely in Christianity and Islam. So there is is on one hand, let's call it a an intrinsic need of human beings to believe that there's more to life than just this. And on one hand, Gary, we could look at this as just, you know, wishful thinking, that, that maybe people are too egoistic and narcissistic to believe that when you die, it's just like flipping off a light and it never comes back on. But for the fact that for thousands of years, people have recorded and documented contact with spirits of loved ones and other spirits, and then also near-death experiences where people have died <clears throat> and then they come back to life and they return with tales of going into a light, encountering deceased loved ones, coming into contact with uh, an all-knowing, all-seeing, uh, loving, infinite energy. And so because of the factual accounts of spirit contact, which include uh, through mediumship, through direct contact, through near-death experiences, shared death experiences, deathbed visions, this has definitely supported and bolstered the belief systems throughout the world. And, and so I hope that initially answers your question, but I got a cool story that, that I want to tell in a minute, but I want to see if you have a follow-up question. Um, and thank you for that. The follow-up would simply be to note that fear of judgment is tied inextricably in the minds of maybe most people at any given time in any generation. Fear of judgment 
is akin to fear of death because on the other side of death, maybe you don't feel worthy of redemption or acceptance or a greater afterlife, something beautiful to experience as opposed to the results of your misdeeds, which let's face it, you know, as, as the great philosopher Ernest Holmes says, there is no sin but a mistake and no punishment but a consequence because we do reap what we sow. If we can accept that baseline awareness, you don't have to be terrified of what awaits you beyond the grave, because this is all apparently a progression, an evolution of the soul. That's a very good point. Judgment is also um, a concept which flows through all of these belief systems. For the Hindus and Buddhists that believe in reincarnation, reincarnation is heavily dependent upon uh, the balance um, the Hindus and, and Buddhists refer to karma, and there's three different types of karma. There's individual karma, there's group karma, and there's collective karma. Um, individual karma is what we do as a person. You know, everything you do comes back on you. Group karma is what people do as a group. Let's say um, one particular tribe of people makes war on another tribe and they defeat them and instead of showing mercy they slaughter all of them so that would be definitely a severe consequence of group karma and then collective karma is what we do as one human family as a planet and people have a, a mistaken belief about karma they confuse it with um, newton's law for every action there's an equal and opposite reaction so when you when you hear that car, whatever you do comes back on you, that doesn't mean that as soon as you do something, something positive, something negative is going to happen. Be thankful that karma isn't like Newton's law of motion, because every time you did something good, something bad would happen. Every time you did something bad, something it'd be like bing, 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 bing. Instead, think of karma as the ripple effect, dropping a, a stone into a pond and you see the ripples and they're going to expand, and they're going to touch other things, and eventually they're going to cycle back. And I write about this extensively in, in my book, The Afterlife Frequency, about the different forms of, of karma. And then when you get to the Abrahamic religions, and I call them the Abram, well, I, I didn't make up that term, but the patriarch Abraham. Abraham, who was told by God to sacrifice his son, Isaac, and at the last second, uh, an angel stops him and said, you don't have to do this. Well, the religions of Abraham begin with Judaism, and then through Judaism, Christianity, and then through that, Islam. And, and it always cracks me up when I, I actually saw, I read an article where a professor at a Christian college got fired because he said that the Islamic God is the same as the Christian God. Well, yeah, because they're all Abrahamic religions. They all stem from the patriarch Abraham. And so judgment has become a very big part of Judaism, uh, Christianity, and Islam. Now, the problem is that in the spiritual sense, it is God who judges people. But religious fanatics take it upon themselves to judge. And, and what do we see in all the religions? Judge not, lest ye thyself be judged. So this is a very, very, very um, difficult concept 
for people to realize that it's not your place to judge, it's it's God's. Mark, I I wanted to ask you when when you were talking about the the ancients and this idea of judging and how it has spread throughout all religions, it seems to stand in contrast in my mind with something a little bit less harsh. And that is, I'm wondering if this idea of judgment has morphed in modern times to what we call the life review. Oh, I am so glad you brought that up. The life review is one of the most important um, discoveries, or should I say observations, in the field of near-death experience research. And we've heard my life flashed before my eyes. How many times have you heard someone who said they almost died and their, their life flashed before their eyes? Well, in a near-death experience, there are stages. So uh, in, in, a, in a, I don't want to call it a typical, but, but in a, a, um, a typical near-death experience, uh, and, and for the benefit of readers, uh, excuse me, for listeners who may not be familiar with the term near-death experience, uh, also known as an NDE, uh, an, an NDE occurs when somebody dies and their consciousness leaves their body and they may feel a floating sensation. They may see themselves laying there with people around them or whatever the circumstances may be. And then they get a sense uh, that they're now traveling through a tunnel toward a light. And then after the tunnel, they will encounter deceased loved ones who usually look very well and young and beautiful. And then there's the next segment which would be encountering a, a, a brilliant white light filled with love and intelligence that is so overwhelming, even the word God is too limiting. And part of a near-death experience includes the life review. And the life review is where literally your life flashes before your eyes, and so many people come back, and, and it's fascinating because many of the things that they they encounter and relive are not always the most significant or what you might think significant accomplishments or things in your lives. There could have been little conversations you had, unkind words, maybe kind things you did when no one was looking, but it's very pervasive and very, very um, intense. And for those of us who study near-death experiences upon analyzing these, it appears that the proverbial judgment is done by one's own self. And this is, it ties into my electromagnetic soul theory. And once again, a, a concept I discuss in the afterlife frequency is that our soul is pure electromagnetic energy because on the subatomic level, everything is electromagnetic energy. And that when we leave our body and we revert to a purely energetic state, we're reflecting on the incarnation. In other words, the lifetime that we just left and we review it. And then it is we who make that 
life review and that judgment and that decision, because once we're free of the body, there's a much more objective ability to assess, did the positive things I did outweigh the negatives? And I mean, this is this is a pretty, pretty heady topic, uh, probably about as as uh, intense as it gets. And I don't claim to have all the answers. I do have some insights. Um, I mean, I as a medium, I connect with spirits. They they many times talk about the life review. They give indications about the world beyond this one, and it, it is amazing. Uh, but they also tell us, don't be in any rush to get here because you're going to get here. Um, so I hope that that answers at least in part your question. Yes, it does. Thank you. <clears throat> and you were going to tell a story, I think, when you got sidetracked with our judgment and, <laughs> and life well, review. <laughs> well, um, when Gary was talking about ancient cultures, and certainly, you know, it's one thing to go to ancient ruins and examine things and read hieroglyphs or petroglyphs or ancient writing or even go to a museum and see like, you know, the Egyptians did this and the Mayans did that. Well, think about um, Halloween. Halloween is is a great time. A lot of people really enjoy it, October 31st. And in Latino cultures, particularly those of uh, Mexico, uh, Central and South America, uh, November 1st and 2nd, all the way up to the 5th, is Dia de los Muertos, the Day of the Dead. And we once again, we could spend the entire episode just talking on, on the history of Halloween, but when the, the Spanish conquistadors invaded and subjugated uh, Mexico, and they found the Aztecs, and the Aztecs were committing human sacrifice, and they were wearing masks of birds and animals and all these statues, well, the good Spanish Catholics who brought inquisitors because the Spanish Inquisition was along with Cortez and, and his army, of course, they, they had to immediately judge the Aztecs as this is devil worship. And, oh, by the way, these people are, are loaded with gold, so we get to kill all of them, eradicate their religion, and occupy their, their country. And I know I'm simplifying that. And then to the south of the Aztecs were the Mayans, and the Mayans put up a better fight. In fact, it took about over another century for the individual Mayan city-states to be subjugated. Well, the Catholic Church soon realized that they could suppress the Aztec and Mayan religions only so much because they came face-to-face with the Day of the Dead. So what they did over time is the Catholics and the indigenous Americans came to a compromise where they moved the Day of the Dead to correspond with November 1st, which is All Saints Day, and November 2nd, which is All Souls Day in the Catholic religion. Now, why am I telling you all this? Well, we see the skull. Okay, yeah, you see people going around, they have a little candy, the sugar skulls, and they're wearing shirts with skulls and and all that, that's all tied in into this. And so Dia de los Muertos is a very, very ancient Native American festival. Well, the Spanish Empire, they also conquered most of South America. The Portuguese uh, got uh, most of Brazil or Brazil. 
but the Spaniards got the whole eastern half, three quarters of, of South America. So a couple of years back, I was in Peru and I was studying the cultures of the Incas and in the pre-Columbian, the pre-Spanish invasion cultures. And the, the Incas fell pretty much the way the, the Aztecs did. Because when the Spanish were in Mexico, I mean, they, they hit a gold mine with the Aztecs, but then they kept hearing of the power and wealth of the Incas, which dwarfed the Aztecs. And boy, did it. Uh, when Pizarro, the Spanish conquistador, um, was able to defeat the, the um, Incan army and occupy what is now the, or what, what was then and now the city of Cusco, the capital of the Inca Empire. I mean, they took out of there something like 60,000 pounds of gold and even more of silver. Yeah, in fact, everybody who's listening, it has been estimated that if you're wearing a piece of gold jewelry, at least part of what you're wearing came from that Spanish conquest. That is how much gold flooded into the world gold market at the time. Well... There was one area, though, was a couple, but there was one city where the Spanish armies were defeated by the Incas, and that was Oya Taya Tatambo. And so I visited Oya Taya Tatambo, and, and the people that live there, they're the Quechua people, and they speak Quechua. They speak Spanish, too, but they speak Quechua. Guess what? The Quechua are the descendants of the Incas. And Quechua is the language that the Incans spoke. And so we're in Oyataya Tatambo. I mean, they got this, we beat the Spanish. I mean, they they definitely let you know this was where <laughs> we were not conquered. And it's a fascinating place because um walking down the streets, the incredible craftsmanship, the cobblestone streets, and the drainage and irrigation systems uh, that that run along, they have like these uh troughs that run along the streets. Um, they were built over five, five to six hundred years ago, mm. and their their sewage drainage and irrigation systems still work. And all I'm thinking is, I don't think the PVC pipes in my house are going to be running five hundred years from now. Yes, but yeah. So <laughs> my guide, um, Sophia, she introduced me to this woman who was grilling corn. And Oyataya Tatambo is part of what's known as the Sacred Valley. And the Sacred Valley in Peru has some of the most fertile land in the world. And they got this corn. And the ears of corn, they're only like six or seven inches long, but they got these huge kernels on them. And they grill the corn. It is, it is the most delicious corn imaginable. I mean, it is world-renowned. They call it choclo is what they call it. So I'm talking to this woman um, who who Sophia introduced me to. Um, her name was Koya, which I understand in, in Quechua means queen. And, you know, when I was looking at her, she had like the high cheekbones, the dark eyes. She, 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 I could imagine her as an Inca princess. I mean, she was just that cool. And so I'm talking to her and she goes, you see spirits. And I'm thinking, all right, there's a lot more to this lady than grilling corn, all right? And she said, I would be honored if you would visit my home. And and so Sophia said yes. And, and so she takes us uh, down, down the street, 
And mind you, all the buildings in this part of Oyataya Tatambo come from the Inca period. So these houses, the house that her family lived in was at least 500 years old. And it was a stone structure. It had a thatched roof, you know, because they're always uh, working on it. And we walk into her 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 home and it was um you know a large room there were kids you know a couple of kids playing on the floor um her parents were there um her i believe her husband you know because everything's getting translated from english to to quechua and back and i mean it, it was like stepping back in time because there's a smoldering fire on the hearth and then i stopped no pun intended, dead in my tracks, because on a shelf above the heart are two human skulls. Mm. And I'm like, oh. And and I kind of had to regain my composure. And I could tell that Koya and her family, they were checking out my reaction. And I said, well, thank you for, you know, and, and the joke I made is I was doing my best to do the, the name's Bond, James Bond, you know, trying to be cool about it. But I was a little bit unnerved about these and she said these are the skulls of my grandparents and they watch over us their spirits watch over us and i said is this something like dia de los muertos and she said to me do you think our ancestors spirits come alive on just one day she said spirits are always alive and we must always honor them and that is why every day is the day of the dead. So in that culture, the skulls of deceased loved ones are in your home and venerated because spirits, the spirits of these people are an active and daily part of your life. Whereas in Mexico and Central America, um, the the Spanish, the Catholics did their best to to narrow it down to okay, the spirits only come alive on the day of the dead. Whereas with the Quechua people, it's like oh no, they're here all the time. Mm. We're getting deep into the weeds and high in altitude too. If you're going to be uh, going to those quarters there in Peru, <laughs> be like. Uh, so much for jogging today, but it's it's wonderful to hear uh, the depth of your understanding and that you share this with us, Mark Anthony. We're always delighted to have you join us 20 times now and counting. Mark Anthony is, and when we come back, I would like for him to say a bit about the award he's up for here because it's very significant. The book is The Afterlife Frequency, The Scientific Proof of Spiritual Contact and How That Awareness Will Change Your Life. Mark Anthony, our honored guest of this weekend, of this hour. We are Manson Mitchell. Give us a couple of minutes and we will be right back. Hi, everybody. This is Anson Williams from Happy Days. And I'm so excited to tell you about American Road. It is the best car travel magazine in the world. They have the most fantastic adventures detailed in each magazine with all your itinerary. We could just jump in the car with your family and have the most fabulous adventures you've ever had in your life. Please, get a copy of American Road and start your own adventure. Staying connected with Gary Mance and Suzanne Mitchell is easy. Just go to manceandmitchell.com for the latest info on topics and guests. Friend Gary Mance and Suzanne Mitchell on their Facebook pages and like the Mance and Mitchell show page at facebook.com slash Mitchell. 
If you're on Twitter, share a follow with Gary and Suzanne at Mance Mitchell. Join Gary and Suzanne Friday and Saturday mornings at 10 a.m. for an unusual show that covers everything from personal growth to the paranormal. Here's an amazing act. Here's a tremendous act. Here's a startling act. The amazing, the thrilling, the greatest, spectacular, incredible, exciting, wonderful, world fame, most unusual novelty act. The home of the A-Team of Alternative Talk is ManceAndMitchell.com. Heard right here on Alternative Talk 1150 AM or streaming live from your computer anywhere. Terry Loving wants to help you with your online marketing challenges right now. She has several courses she is giving away to help you get your business working for you online. Yes, giving away. WordPress websites are her specialty, yet her technical skills go way beyond that. Check out her blog at terryloving.com or email her directly at terry at terryloving.com. That's terry at terryloving.com. On Friday, Manson Mitchell welcomed Garnet Schulhauser from British Columbia for a little metaphysical Q&A from across the border. On Saturday, Boston Carter joins us for a high-level conversation about consciousness. Specializing in depth psychology, Dr. Carter has a theory for the structural basis of human suffering and how to switch our thinking. Bringing you mastery and mystery since 2007. We are Manson Mitchell, Friday and Saturday mornings at 10 on Alternative Talk, AM 1150. Wherever you go, Alternative Talk 1150 is here for you. Welcome back to Manson Mitchell and our very special guest this hour, Mark Anthony, author of um, The Afterlife Frequency most recently and some other books. Um, Mark, if people would like to get your books, connect with you, and what you're up for a major award. And so please let our listeners know about all that. Thank you, Suzanne. I was honored to discover last week that I've been nominated for two OMI, O-M-M-I-E awards by OM Times and iSpirit Media. And the OMIs, they recognize influencers and and spiritual teachers in the spiritual, holistic, and uh, metaphysical uh, communities. My book, The Afterlife Frequency, is nominated for Best Metaphysical Book for the year 2022 when it came out. And I was very humbled and honored when I was nominated as Best uh, Psychic Medium. And if people want to find out about ordering my books, uh, The Afterlife Frequency, and my other books, Evidence of Eternity and Never Letting Go, if you'd like to find out about uh, signing up for a reading with me and a light circle that I've got coming up on uh, February 17th, uh, a light circle is limited to six people. It's online. So no matter where you are, it can be part of it. And everyone's guaranteed uh, to get a reading. Please visit my website, afterlifefrequency.com. Please sign up for the newsletter. It's uh, one-stop shopping for all things Mark Anthony, I guess. Uh, but that would be uh, afterlife frequency.com. So I really appreciate uh, appreciate your support. And also you can vote for me by going to my website. You'll see in the calendar of events, just click on that. and It'll take you right to the links to vote for me. So I really, really appreciate everyone's support. And it's just been, like I said, very, very humbling and, and somewhat overwhelming uh, to see how how my work and my words have impacted people. Yes, very good, very good. Afterlifefrequency.com. You know, the, talking about frequencies and vibrations is something I've been interested in for so many years. 
And Mark, we talk about it a lot. We talk about it a lot on our show with people who are trying to connect with other people, trying to make their life better, trying to get healthier, you know, whatever it is, I I say it's all a matter of your personal vibration. And when Gary and I were talking today about having you on, I said, you know, there's a question I've never asked Mark that I'd just like to get his thoughts on. And we hear about how the earth is, when we're here, we're at a lower vibration and that the spirit world is a higher vibration so that they have to kind of lower theirs and we have to raise ours to sort of meet in the middle. When we lay down these bodies and our consciousness, our electromagnetic soul goes into another realm, my thought is that we would be vibrating differently than we are on earth. So if if you are on in, in the spirit world and you're saying, you know, I think I'd like to have another go at this thing and I'm going to try and do it better this time. And you're setting up, you know, your, your little, uh, your little ideas of, of what you want to accomplish in another lifetime. It seems to me that you would be going from a lower vibration to a higher vibration in the spirit world back down into a lower vibration on the earth plane. And then when you pass going back up into a higher vibration in the spirit world, it sounds like a roller coaster to me up and down and up and down. How, How does that sound to you? You just beautifully described the Hindu and Buddhist doctrine of samsara, which is exactly that it's birth. All right. We have a life. We die then we go into this transcendent realm, and then we come back again. And they see it as, as a circle. That's why the flag of the, of the country India has a wheel on it, because it symbolizes the wheel of karma and the eternal cycle of birth, um, death, and rebirth. And But I like the way you said it. It's like waves, like wavelengths, because it is as well. Because what happens is, and I know I've said this before on Manson Mitchell, but if you if you um, uh, indulge me, what I explain in in my work in the afterlife frequency is that everything is made of molecules, which in turn are made up of atoms. We all had to learn that in school, and then we had to learn that atoms in turn are composed of electrons, protons, and neutrons. And then they in turn are composed of a smaller particle referred to as a quantum. And that's where the term quantum physics comes from, because the quantum is pure electromagnetic energy. And so everything vibrates, but at different frequencies. So you and I, as corporeal beings, as humans, vibrate at a higher frequency than the microphones we're talking into, because they're made out of metals and plastic. But then again, this show's being transmitted over radio waves, which are vibrating at an even higher frequency. But then again, so are the rings of Saturn in the surface of Neptune. Everything is electromagnetic energy and vibrates at different frequencies. Well, the EMS, the electromagnetic soul, which is who and what we are, while it is temporarily housed in our brain, 
um, I mean, it's vibrating at a, at a, you know, it's, it's, it's energy, but it's, it's activity is, is purposely limited. However, there are times either in the sleep state or through uh, mediumship, or if you feel the presence of a loved one, the vi- your, your own EMS vibration increases. Spirits see that they bring their, their vibration down and we get a frequency match. So you correctly identify that. And then when we physically die, think of your electromagnetic soul as kind of like a cosmic drop of water, and it leaves the brain and then plunges into this sea that I call the collective consciousness. You're still an individual, but now you're you're a, a, a blip of energy that is individualized. You're still who you are, but now you're energetically linked to other spirits linked to other spirits linked to other spirits. And this isn't some fanciful thing that, oh, I just made up. This is based on years of research. Also, what we see in near-death experiences when people come back from them, they talk about everything's interconnected. You you look at the teachings of Jesus, of Buddha, of the Hindus, of, of all the great belief systems, everything talks about we're all connected. We're all brothers and sisters. And this is these religions and these teachers' way of explaining through the cultural uh, filter and the vernacular of those time frames what we are now proving through quantum physics, that everything is energetically connected and interconnected. Well, here here's my follow up about this because now 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 I'm gonna put this one to you. It would seem to me that in the realm of reincarnation, that a person may decide that they want to reincarnate for their soul's growth that they would like to expand their experience and their expression here on earth. Let me, let me get on that merry-go-round one more time. And in so choosing, they are choosing to go to a lower vibration. Yes. For what I can, can tell based on what spirits have told me, because you know, it, it's it's like okay, so they're hanging out in this cosmic version of Maui, having a great time, and you know, planet Earth is a garbage dump. All right, why do you, why do you want to do that? And the response has been that in your form, meaning human bodies, you can experience things that we can't because they're pure energy. An electromagnetic soul, being pure energy, energy is eternal. It doesn't get old, tired, sick, or die. So being in corporeal form, being in, in uh, a bio suit, uh, which is our body, we can experience things that they can't. And that perplexes me as well, because how is suffering the death of a loved one, how does that help us? How does dealing with physical or mental disabilities Uh, watching somebody you love slowly die from cancer, uh, being heartbroken, having difficulty with relationships. But apparently all of these things that we go through are things we are supposed to achieve, which appear to have a direct correlation to the frequency that we're going to the other side. 
So the other side, like an FM or AM radio dial, has several frequencies. And think of it this way. Um, Osama bin Laden and Adolf Hitler on a ver- are on a very different frequency than Mahatma Gandhi or Mother Teresa, you see. And so it's what we do in this material world that has the choices, the individual decisions. So it appears that the, the divine gift to us is our free will. So there's a day we're coming in and a day we're going out. That appears to be preordained, but it's what we do with the time in between. So let's take someone like an Adolf Hitler. Well, what if he put his oratorical ability and his persuasiveness and his energy into peaceful and constructive pursuits He wouldn't be looked at as the most evil man in history. He may be looked at as one of the great leaders of all time. I'm just using that uh, him because that's a very extreme example that that everybody knows. Yes. And, And this idea that when I reincarnate, I'm, I'm going to go back and do it again. I, I want to have more experiences for my own soul's growth. There's more I need to know. I don't know everything. I want to know more. I want to come back and do it again and learn more. It seems like we're buying into all aspects because we have to know in advance that not only are we going to have talents and abilities and gifts, we are also going to have challenges in areas. And so we're buying into both the positive and the negative in order to come into this vibrational frequency. Certainly. And now here's a a really fascinating uh, angle on reincarnation. The Hindus believe that your next life could be what you and I consider to be in the past. So your next life may not be in the 23rd century aboard the Starship Enterprise, but rather it could be 2000 BC in 4th Dynasty ancient Egypt or wherever. And it's funny because um, people that believe in reincarnation, everybody was a Greek, a Roman, or an Egyptian. You never hear anyone saying, oh, I was an ancient Magyar from uh, you know central Russia or something like that. And we have to realize that not everybody... Um, was Cleopatra or Henry VIII in in a prior lifetime. and But but leaving that aside, when we get to the electromagnetic soul theory, is on the quantum EMS level, on the quantum level, pure electromagnetic energy, it has been theorized since Albert Einstein proposed his theory of relativity. And this um, is that on the quantum level, time doesn't exist. And so that's why, I mean, and Stephen Hawking actually believed this, uh, Max Tegmark, uh, Feynman, I mean, you could go through all the great, great uh, physicists. And that would also explain why during readings, spirits will bring up things that haven't happened yet that then do. And if I got a real quick example, this one's pretty easy. I was doing a reading for a woman. And her mother's spirit came through and and started talking about a seven-year-old boy in this world very close to her. 
And she said, well, that's my nephew. I don't have children, but my sister's little boy. I'm very close to him and very close to my sister. I, I said, your mother's spirit wants to make sure that you get him to the eye doctor as soon as possible. She goes, yeah, he's been complaining about blurred vision. And I said, now I'm hearing the song Tutti Frutti, Ah Rudy. And I'm singing Tutti Frutti, Ah Rudy from Little Richard. She goes, that doesn't make sense at all. I go, hey, that's what I'm getting. Just write it down. A month later, she contacts me. She said, Mark, you're not going to believe this, but my sister and I, we took my nephew to the eye doctor. And the second we walked in the doctor's office on the radio starts playing Tutti Frutti, Ah Rudy <laughs> by Little Richard. Now, let's examine this from an electromagnetic soul standpoint. This is my theory from the afterlife frequency. And this story is not in the afterlife frequency because it happened after I released the book. Mom spirit, pure EM energy. So she's around. She knows her grandson's having a problem with his eyes because spirits can scan your electromagnetic field. And she's picking up on issues there. She wants her grandson to make sure he's taken care of, goes to the doctor, and to make sure that when the three of them walked in the office, they knew they were doing the right thing, she was able to see or perceive a um, what song was going to be playing the second they walked in. And to make it more interesting, radio waves are also part of the electromagnetic spectrum. So here we have a spirit diagnosing a medical condition, um, directing these people to the place and also using uh, the spirit's ability to perceive what we call the future based on Einstein's theory of relativity, there it all begins to make sense. So following that logic, let's say in your next life, you want to live in, you know, uh, ancient uh, India, well, you can. And, and so when we start studying this, it's really fascinating little bit frustrating because it's hard for us as as finite beings to grasp these infinite concepts but it certainly i think ties back to gary's first question why has there always been a belief in an afterlife it's because since human beings climbed out of trees we've been having these experiences of seeing spirits receiving premonitions of future events and ascertaining and, and receiving information that exceeds our five physical senses. I love that explanation. Thank goodness we archived these shows. This is, this definitely has repeat material written all over it, <laughs> a glorious rerun someday. When I think about the accidents of history, or the uh, interruptions of history. And I know we're running out of time, but you were talking about Hitler. Eventually, he shows up in any metaphysical conversation, especially regarding karma, good versus evil. Uh, Hitler's going to be dug up. That's cool. In terms of a photo I had in mind, just last night, it just flashed across my mind. Uh, Hitler is an infant. Now, if somebody of of uh, malevolent intent, whatever it might be. If somebody around baby Hitler killed baby Hitler, that's not, thank God you saved us from World War II and the Holocaust. That's an interruption of history if that were to happen. Someone would be charged with infanticide and maybe executed. And people say, well, that baby killer. But what if the baby's Hitler? 
there. If there was, I look at these, well, how history flows. There's another, it's interesting because a friend of mine and I had that very conversation. And so let's say that that happened and baby Hitler was killed, but that wouldn't necessarily have stopped national socialism and a militant, um, let's say another military dictatorship took over Germany. And let's say that it did not persecute uh, Jewish people, then very possibly Germany would have won the war because the Jewish physicists who invented the atomic bomb would not have fled Germany. And, and you know, when we start getting into these what ifs, think about it. What if a Nazi regime that didn't persecute Jews not only had V2 rocket technology, but atomic weapons to put on them? The world may not be a very, very good place today. So, so, and I'm not, and believe me, for, for all the listeners, I am not for one nanosecond advocating that the Holocaust was a positive thing. This is strictly a philosophical discussion. I've been to Dachau concentration camp in, in Germany, which spiritually was a very difficult, terrible thing that I experienced. I've been to another death camp in, in Poland. The Holocaust was real. It was true. It was even worse than we can imagine. Um, but what I'm saying is that what Gary brought up is a fascinating point. There's all these historical what ifs. Maybe killing baby Hitler would have been a good thing. Maybe it wouldn't. We don't know. I mean, what if you were able to stop Lee Harvey Oswald or whoever um, from shooting JFK? Maybe the Third World War would have happened because maybe JFK and Khrushchev would have finally pushed the button on each other. We simply don't know. Yes. <clears throat> yeah, the great mysteries, the great mysteries. And it, it allows us to have a talk radio show. Well, these stories definitely do. And uh, I can just imagine an historian saying to me, if you want to know about Hitler and World War II and Nazism, take a good look. Don't worry about Hitler as a baby. Look at the Treaty of Versailles, that crippling document from the standpoint of Germany. It made some kind of massive reaction with somebody at the fulcrum of that reaction yeah. come into existence because it was not going to work for that treaty to be in place. And there's a whole lot more to be said about that. Uh, maybe next time around, Mark. Thank you so much as our time has elapsed. We're always thrilled, my friend, to have you with us on Manson Mitchell. Let's do it again soon. Thank you. And I want to thank both you and Suzanne for having me on the show. And for all the listeners, keep tuning in to Manson Mitchell every week. It's an awesome show and it's an honor to be here. Thank you. Coming up tomorrow, the Super Bowl. Enjoy it, everybody. Have yourselves a great weekend and a great week ahead. <laughs>